0: You don't want mentors that, you know, are good at the same thing, frankly. You kind of want to build a roster of mentors that are your go-to people for different activities that you have as you look to build and scale out the organization.
1: Hi, I'm Aaron Levy, and I have this crazy vision of a workplace where your manager doesn't suck, where instead of being the reason you quit your job is actually the reason you stay. Your manager is your coach, helping you to reach your full potential at work. I founded Raise the Bar, wrote Open, Honest, and Direct, and started this podcast to help companies transform their workplace by creating an environment where both the company and employee wins. In this podcast, I get to interview leaders who built high-performing teams and learn from them on what it takes to unlock a team's potential. Today, I'm lucky to have Matt Kunkel, the co-founder and CEO of Logic8 a Chicago-based SaaS platform which operationalizes regulatory risk and compliance programs for organizations. It's a platform that makes it easy for organizations to build customer applications and maintain them all in one central location. LogicGate started just over four years ago in 2015 and has quickly grown to over 120 employees, raising over $35 million. In this episode, Matt talks about the importance of having a roster of mentors and the critical role they played in his growth. He also talks about his focus as a leader in this time of crisis and what he's doing to help his team feel more in control and more informed in this time of uncertainty. He shares a playbook of tips and tools that you can use and we can use to lead through these times of uncertainty. Enjoy. Matt, welcome on the show. It's, uh, it's great to have you and thank you for making time during this, everything that's going on. Thank you for making time.
0: Yeah, no problem at all. Thank you, Aaron, for inviting me. I'm super excited to to chat with you. I listened to a couple of the podcasts and I've uh, had some great, great folks on. So I'm excited to have the conversation.
1: So four a little over four years ago, you started, you started LogicGate and, you know, four years later, you're $35 million raised, 120 plus employees in, and it says you're still hiring.
0: Yeah. We are still hiring. I'll give you just a quick background of, of the journey that we've gone on. So my personal background, I'm a, i am I grew up in the consulting space, uh, largely at a firm called Navigant Consulting at Navigant. And through doing that, I uh, got to meet two great individuals who are my co-founders. Uh, a guy by the name of John Siegler, who's our chief product officer. And a guy by the name of Dan Campbell, who is our chief technology officer and uh, the three of us got together at Navigant. We built, oh, I don't know, probably 90 different regulatory risk and compliance solutions for very large organizations down to medium-sized organizations. And through that time period, just saw that there was a big gap in the marketplace from a product perspective for products that were able to deliver on the promise of helping organizations operationalize these back office risk and compliance programs. So the three of us set off and said, we're going to leave our nice cushy consulting jobs and uh, we're going to take the leap into this world of entrepreneurship because we just think that we've got a pretty compelling story in a very large market that's growing and have a lot of domain and subject matter expertise behind um, what we are doing. So, so that, that's kind of the, the initial founding of the company.
1: And so you you came up with that and you, you came up with this idea of creating a platform and making it easy for organizations to to build in the in the GRC space, but but now it seems to be in, in other spaces as well. Was it a, a smashing yeah. success right out of the gate?
0: Nothing's as easy as you plan it in your head, right? And everything takes twice as long and twice as, as much money. That's the mantra and frankly it's accurate. I think we had a couple of things, a couple of unfair competitive advantages with starting our organization as opposed to other folks that have startups um, in there that I think have led to an easier road than most when you think about starting a company. And and those are are as followed. One is we did this for a very long time in the consulting world, right? We, We knew kind of, we almost had the playbook for product market fit day one because of what we built in the consulting world. So there was no pivoting. There was no hemming and hawing. There was no... You know, uh, is this something that folks will buy? We knew what that was because we had so much experience in building it from a, uh, a services perspective. And I think, frankly, a lot of large, great SaaS companies come up that way. They come up with just a services wrapper and and they want to put a product, they want to productize that service. So we had that going for us. Two is very early on in our journey, you know, we got to meet a couple of great mentors that we surrounded our business with, a guy by the name of Mike Gampson. Mike is now the CEO of a company called Relativity, but at the time, he was the head of sales of LinkedIn. Uh, When we got to meet him, we got to meet him through a program called Techstars that we went through, which is a business accelerator. For first-time entrepreneurs that are are starting a business, I highly, highly, highly recommend Techstars. uh, If you can get into the program, it's extremely competitive to get into, but it really, really... Will change the trajectory of how fast you are able to get from you know the zero to one uh, from an organization perspective, and largely it's because of who they intro you to, right? So I got intro to this guy by the name of Mike Hampson. Mike introed me to his boss at the time, who was a guy by the name of Jeff Weiner, who is the CEO of LinkedIn. And and Jeff and I and Mike talked and had a conversation around our business. They really liked it. They liked the market size. It was a big opportunity and a big potential. They liked that there was no really true market leader in it, right? There was no sales force for CRM or Workday for HR tech. So they thought that we had a really big competitive advantage. And they liked the fact that we had done it for so long. We had a lot of what's called founder market fit in our, in our business. So, you know, and those guys are some really, really strong mentors to have around the table. You know, the guy that did the largest exit in the history of SaaS exits from LinkedIn to Microsoft is a good guy to be able to lean on. Uh, to ask, you know, business questions about, you know, should we go left or should we go right? And I think along the way and along our journey, we've we've over-indexed on that, right? Over-indexed on finding operators that have built and scaled multi-billion-dollar SaaS businesses to help us on our journey as we go through and and look to uh, to build and scale a multi-billion-dollar SaaS business in the Chicago tech community.
1: How have you used that? to continue on once you kind of got from you know zero to one and got yourself off the ground and got some of that initial funding down how, how have you or have you continued to use mentors and and others to help support your growth as a leader
0: oh gosh yes i lean on my mentors and and i call them coaches kind of you know the coaches that i have the mentors that i have all the time if I, you know, for for all a variety of things, and what I try to do is is think of your mentors that you have around you as as like a sports team, right? And um, you need, you know, if we're using a football analogy here, you need people that really understand offensive line play and blocking, and then you need people that really understand quarterbacking, and you need people that really understand how to be a great wide receiver, and those things relate to different things in an organization, right? I need someone that. Really understands kind of fundraising and the venture landscape and venture capital that I can go to and ask these questions. I need someone that really understands how to build amazing cultures within organizations and how you do that. You need someone that really is good at the people side of the house and finding amazingly talented people, right? You need someone that's really good at just the operational mechanics of a business and what are the right metrics that we should be focused on at different times with as we scale out an organization. You don't want mentors that, you know, are good at the same thing, frankly. You kind of want to build a roster of mentors that are your go-to people for different activities that you have as you look to build and scale out the organization. You know, I, I firmly believe that we would not, we as an organization wouldn't be here today without a the great network of um, of mentors that we have that are helping kind of navigate helping me and helping the executive team kind of navigate the ship as we go through kind of this hyper growth mode
1: how do you go about kind of creating that mentor relationship and and establishing that because it you know it sounds nice but i've talked to others and it it could be a little bit uncomfortable awkward not really sure how to get that going
0: how did you do it Yeah, great question. And it it is definitely not something that happens just overnight, right? And I think the best relationships with mentors honestly become more friendships than anything, right? You feel like you, I am totally okay texting this person, calling this person at all hours of the night to celebrate great wins with them and tell them about great things and to ask for advice. The the thing to take away is you can't just snap your fingers and say, oh, I've got a great mentor network. It's work, it's time, it's effort that you have to put into that. And it's really just relationship building at the end of the day. I think one of the biggest things that I do is I try never to say no to a coffee meeting with anyone, right? You never know who is going to be a great mentor, a great person to lean on, a great, it's the analogy that we used earlier, a great person to add to your team because they have a really, really super unique skill set in some particular area in there. So it's, it's forming bonds and relationships that ultimately potentially, you know, form into, you know, formal or informal mentorship arrangements. And all mentorship arrangements don't have to be formal arrangements, right? You, like I have a ton of very informal mentor relationships, coaching relationships, uh, other CEOs in network that, you know, we, we both bounce ideas off of each other. And and ask each other questions. And frankly, most of them are like that. You know, I only have two that are what I will call more formalized in there. And it, and it really, I think it gives, especially the CEO, but really anyone on the executive team, and I would argue anyone that's on kind of your a, a management team, should have those mentors, right? Should have people that have been there, done that before them, because it just helps you avoid pitfalls, right? Why make mistakes? And it doesn't mean that you've got to use every single piece of information that they provide you. What they're doing is they're providing you data points that you then can use in the holistic picture that they might not have, right? You are way closer to this than they are because you're in the business, you know, running it, building it day in and day out, but they can provide really, really good data points of, hey you know, I've lived through the situation that you're going through right now, you want to turn left here. And let me tell you why you want to turn left and do it this way, as opposed to right, which is potentially how you're thinking about this to today.
1: It sounds like you have a, a number of wonderful relationships where they're friends, mentors, peers. What would you say are two or three of the traits or actions which like really make a good relationship, a good mentor relationship work? There's a
0: couple of them, right? I think one is, you know, it's a, give, a give-take relationship. You always want to, you know, and some, sometimes that's harder, right? To, to, for me to give to Jeff Weiner is much, much harder for him to give to me, right? But I think ultimately my philosophy is that all evens out in the end. So there's definitely relationships that I have with folks that I'm giving much more. For example, you know, I'm a mentor to the, the new Techstars classes that come in. Right. And I'm giving much more to them than I'm taking from them in there. So I think it's, you know, one is you just wanna have a, a balance across the board of of how much you're giving and how much you're taking from a mentorship perspective and relationship perspective in there. And then two is is really you gotta spend time on it, you know, and dedicate time within, you know, we're all incredibly, incredibly busy people. But make sure that you block time to have these conversations, to go in these coffee meetings, to meet new people um, in there. And I think it, it really pays off in space in the end.
1: Speaking of time spend, as the CEO, where are you spending your time now and your energy? And, and how has that changed from you know, day one when you started the business to, to four years later as you've grown and, and even now in, in the current climate? I think largely it's kind of the
0: same couple spots, which is number one is our people, right? And I I think to have, to build great organizations, the bedrock of amazing organizations is the people that they have in those organizations, right? And you want to bring in people into your organization that really are inspired by the mission and what you uh, as an organization are, are put on this planet to do. And then two is you want to bring in people that really have the same kind of beliefs, right? Your your core values, what you believe as an organization, what's in your DNA as an organization, not just from a work perspective, but their own kind of personal life perspective, right? People that do the right thing, even when no one's looking, people that are team players and, and want to be as one. And it's not about me getting recognition. It's about the team winning and the overall team goal, right? People that uh, really love to embrace curiosity and learn and push the envelope and, and don't like complacency. People that like to raise the bar and, you know, the, the words of this isn't my job never utters their mouth, right? So you want to bring in those, those sort of caliber people that have those core values because ultimately the culture that you have in an organization is so hypercritically important. Like I've talked to so many people that really say, You can brute force your way to a lot of things from a startup perspective, like zero to 10, zero to 20, almost zero to 30 million in ARR. You can literally just brute force that if you have the right people that are on in the right seats at the right time on the bus that really truly believe in what you're doing as an organization, believe in the core values that you have. And that's how they act day to day, because that informs the culture that you're going to drive into the organization you sprinkle on top of that some good product market fit and that's where you can really build out a, a very large business on top of that so the people is is a big part of it i think part of my job right now is from a people perspective is reducing fear right i think a lot of us are just paralyzed because we're we're afraid we're grieving during this time period a lot of a lot of i think the the anxiety the anger the frustration is just grief of what's going on because there's lack of information, there's lack of control, and lack of uncertainty. So from my perspective, if I can do things to give back to the best of my abilities information, which is something you definitely can do as a CEO, right? It's just communicating and over-communicating. And frankly, I don't think there, especially during this time, there's as much. You can't communicate enough to employees about what's going on. You you give them the information that they need to feel like, okay, I'm I'm in the loop. You're transparent with that information. You're open. You're honest. Good things or bad things, and you're empathetic with it. So just being really empathetic with people, uh, understanding their current situation, and really, you know, driving what you can do as a CEO to reduce the fear that they have, because ultimately, if you can do that, then what they can do is put the resources and energy away from kind of being afraid about things and back to where it should be, which is implicitly taking care of your customers. And that's the other thing, right? It's people, and then especially now with customers. People need to be doubling down, tripling down, quadrupling down on your customers right now. This is not a growth time. This is a, uh, how do we focus on our customers How do we focus on retention? How do we focus on potentially expansion and how do we focus on making our customers hyper successful on, on what we do and and what they've already purchased with us?
1: What I'm wondering is if I'm a CEO um, listening to this, what are some of the things you did or what would it look like to give back information to give back control or help, help my team feel like they're in more control or feel like they have some more certainty? As you mentioned, those are some of the things that are, that are really leaders are, and individuals are being challenged with.
0: Yeah, I think a big one is just being really open and honest and transparent with them about all the information. And that, that starts at literally like the financial level. We tell our employees basically anything that we would tell our board, right? This is, we, the budget and the goal was to get to X number because of what COVID's looking at, that means we're going to get to Y number, right, mm. um, in here. And and if we only get to Y number, what does that mean from our our plan, right? We we told you guys that we were going to expand headcount by 100 people this year. Well, is that really realistic anymore? Probably not. So we're going to do a reforecast, and we're going to look what that that looks like. We're going to work with the different business heads on what that means in here. Does that mean we potentially would have to let people go? We don't think so, right? But, but let's be, be honest with the, the situation and, and understand what, uh, what it means from our business landscape in here. So I think ultimately it's just, you know, and, and, and how we view it is that it, our employees, they're not just employees, they're also shareholders in the business. Everyone that walks in the logic gate gets equity in our company in the form of options so they are shareholders too and we want to make sure that that we are giving them information about how our business is running and what does that mean for their business unit and what does that mean for them specifically and their career growth their trajectory the here and now and today but not just today the you know the second half of this year next year and what we were anticipating and planning how did that change in here So I think just the more information, the more transparent, the more honest you can be. And frankly, the more empathetic and real you can be with them. I mean, when I, when this first broke, you know, I told them, I was like, listen, I like you, I'm scared about this. I'm not scared for myself, but I'm, I'm really scared for my parents. So just, it's showing your true self and it's just being honest and empathetic with them about the, the situation, right? Not that everything is not rainbows and sunshine, right? And I think it it really goes a long way with employees because ultimately what you're doing is you're building trust. You're building trust with them to say, when you speak, when you tell me something, I trust you, whether it's good information, bad information or indifferent, I trust that I can can believe what you're saying in here. And sometimes you got to just deliver the bad information, right? And it's delivering bad information ahead of the game is much much better than trying to sugarcoat things you know you're it's it's that trust building exercise and again trust doesn't happen overnight too just like building a strong foundation of mentors building a strong foundation of trust with your employees takes time right and you it's not just one and one day one night one week it's it's one over time frankly with the actions that you as a ceo provide. provides not just the words that you say
1: you said something in, in your earlier part, which was, you know, I also told people I was scared, right? And so not only being empathetic, but also being a little bit vulnerable. How do you yeah. bring that to your team?
0: Around the vulnerability perspective, I think that's a really, really crucial part of, of leadership because if you can be vulnerable with your employees what it does is it really helps remove barriers. It, it says, oh, uh, this guy just isn't the CEO. He's actually a human too, hmm. right? And you want to put it on that level with that is, and I truly believe this. No one in the organization is better than anyone else. The CEO isn't, our board isn't, No one person is better than anyone else. No one person, if we are all doing our jobs to the level that we expect, can make better impacts than anyone else. And that's really how I think you drive outsized outcomes is you have this belief. Every individual has a belief that I can change the trajectory of the organization because of what I do day in and day out just as much as our CEO can change it. And you get there by having people really... You meet them on a personal level, you meet them on an empathetic level, and you meet them on a vulnerability level and just say, listen, I'm, I'm just like you. I make mistakes. I mess things up. You in this journey can affect the change of the organization and can get us to where we ultimately all want to be because we're all bought in on that just as much as I as the CEO can. And that's powerful. If you've got, you know, 20 people, 50 people, 100 people, 200 people, 500 people thinking that way and you can make the moves fast. One of the things that we really focus on is understanding our, our employees and what, I think great leaders do this, understanding what motivates their employees. People are motivated by wildly different things, right? Some people are motivated by what we were just talking about, right? You know, I really want to see day in and day out how I affect change in the organization. And then once you, once I show you that, I want more and bigger responsibilities, bigger projects, the ability to affect change in a, in a bigger, bigger, bigger way. Some people are just motivated by money. And it's like, listen, this, I've got financial obligations that I have to adhere to. This is what I need to make from a cash perspective. And that's what's going to motivate me. Some people are motivated by work-life balance and say, listen, I'm going to commit to this. I will get this done, but I'm going to get it done on my own time. And I'm not going to work nine to five. I'm going to work six to six, right? So you just really need to understand on a literal employee by employee level, what motivates them, what pushes them to kind of get to the next level that they have. And then as you think about how, you know, you build, you build their success plans, you have those things in mind.
1: It's like you kind of have this, uh, a roadmap that, that I've you know, been able to, to parse together from what you've shared because it's been just so clear and focused, which is, right, it's understanding those motivations of my people on, on an individual level is, is key to driving team performance. But then it's also that you, you shared earlier, which is being clear, being transparent, being empathetic and vulnerable in the way in which you communicate and the way in which you act with them and and then finally you shared or at the start you shared build a roster mentors to help you see what you can't see i I mean i think i couldn't have asked for a a better set of three things to to focus on as a leader myself so grateful for you sharing grateful for you spending your time and uh, this has been tremendously impactful
0: yeah thank you so much i had a lot of fun uh, with the conversation it was great
1: To hear more great stories like this one, subscribe to us on iTunes, Stitcher, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. If you enjoyed this episode, leave us a review. And you can always drop us a note at openhonestanddirect.com. Cheers and have a great day.